experienced in these blackouts, blackouts, stretches of time we can't account for. Welcome back, everybody, to another spooktacular episode. This is your captain speaking, Jose Valle Jr., joined, as always, by my most trusted co-host and first officer, Mason Pumpkinhead Schrader. Mason, we're inching closer and closer to Halloween. How do you feel about that? Are you excited? Are you overwhelmed? Do you feel empowered? Um, yeah, no, I'm feeling... I'm feeling spooky. I'm a little disappointed. This last week here, it was like 70 and 80 degrees. Yeah. Which I don't like. But this week, it's going to be cold and rainy and 50 degrees. And that's what I'm excited for. Literally, this whole month, I have... It has been just me rethinking my decision to live in Los Angeles and Southern California. (laughs) Because I'm like... I see one dead tree, and then the rest are still green as fuck. And I'm like, oh, man, I miss having seasons. Yeah. I miss, like... It still feels like Halloween. Like, I drove around the other night around some of the back roads where I live, listening to some spooky music, and I was like, this hits. But at the yeah. same time, I was like, it doesn't hit as much as, like, when you actually see, like, leaves and it's cold. And it mm-hmm. it gets cold here, but it just looks the same all year. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. Anyway. Yeah. It's um, the one thing Iowa's got going for it. Is that is true. I do it does I did love seasons. Utah and Iowa Falls are two of my favorite. I thought that today we would turn to some classic material. Spooky ghosts, to be more specific. Spooky poltergeists. And who better to help us take a look at this topic than our most beloved friends and patron saints of the podcast and definitely 100% real ghost hunters, Ed and Lorraine Warren. Yeah, all right. (laughs) Great, cool. That's right, Mason. Today, we are diving into another Warren case file, specifically one that took place over the pond and terrified and gripped the small island and the world for an entire year. Yes, that's right. You bloody bastards. We're taking a look at the Enfield Portugalist. There's going to be a lot of that throughout this episode. Hello. Hello, governor. Top of the morning to you. And Aww. then the, the the two UK listeners that we have now have just unsubscribed. Have just immediately unsubscribed. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, this that, that when when I said Enfield Poltergeist, that's where like there would be thunder. So just yeah, imagine. Uh, well, those. here I'll do it again. We're taking a look at the Enfield Poltergeist. So, are you familiar? Have you heard of this case at all, Mason? Have you seen The Conjuring Two? I've seen the documentary The Conjuring Two. Yes, the documentary, mm-hmm. yeah. The Conjuring 2, that's right. Well, oh, sorry, I, I forget that I have to switch into the accent. Well, are you ready to bust a fucking poltergeist, Mason? Uh, yes. All right, then. Pack your bags, grab your passport, because London is calling. Have you noticed, and, 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 and this isn't my original idea, admittedly, I am stealing this from the left podcast, the last podcast on the left, 
Mm-hmm. But they brought up a really good fact in one of their latest episodes that every time they show London in something, it's always that fucking song. Well, look, it's the, it's a great fucking song. No, it's a the good Clash, song. But I'm like, or, come they on. could do they could pick a different Clash song. I feel exactly. Like. They could pick like White Riot or mm-hmm. like. Uh, should oh, I stay or should I go now? That was your clash? Sorry. Don't do that again. <laughs> Don't do that again. We're hit with a cease and desist immediately after the show. Joe Strummer just died for the second time. They're calling it England's Amityville. There is a family that desperately needs our help. After everything we've seen, there isn't much that rattles either of us anymore. <laughs> But this one, this one still haunts me. The opening crawl of The Conjuring 2 describes the Enfield poltergeist case as one of the most diabolical cases the Warrens ever faced. And while the movie takes many liberties and stretches the involvement of the Warrens by a lot, this haunting, which took place in a small council home in North in a North London suburb, was certainly horrifying and has cemented itself as one of the most known ghost stories in British history. Like the Amityville haunting in America, which had unfolded only a year prior, the Enfield Poltergeist would go on to inspire its fair share of books, TV shows, and movies. Perhaps the two most notable works being the aforementioned Conjuring 2 and the highly controversial Ghost Watch, which if you've never heard of it, do yourself a favor and look it up. It's a cult classic, and it's... It's kind of insane the effect it had on people. Have you ever heard of Ghost Watch? Sorry, oh. I was just taking you know a nice what? sip of the tea that I'm drinking. You know what? I just um, realized it's kind of coincidence. We're both drinking tea, and I didn't even yep. do it on purpose. And we're talking about mm-hmm. a British case. That's funny. Yes, but yeah, Ghost Watch was this like mockumentary that mm. was basically like it was based 100% like on the Enfield case, but gotcha. they marketed it as a very real thing. They even had actual like news anchors. Uh, play themselves basically and they had like a line that people could dial in while the show was going on and people it was like a war of the worlds thing where people thought it was genuinely happening yeah 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 okay i have fucking terrified it's insane yeah before we begin we must as always lay the groundwork there's only two things i want to further explain and those are exactly what a council house is because if you're an average american like me you might have been confused as to what the fuck that is and what exactly a poltergeist is, and the difference between it, a ghost, and a demon. First uh, off. Yeah, well, a, I would assume a council house is just like a slum. Not necessarily. It's well, uh, a council house is more like American projects. You know what I mean? Like the projects, okay. which is like sure. public housing owned by local authorities. They usually look more like I guess Jose, like townhouses, you don't have to like American townhouses. The projects to me, who grew right. up Mason in grew up rural <laughs> Iowa, in the projects white, I'm familiar with the projects. Okay? So you would you would usually apply to be put in a council home, and then based on your situation, the government would decide if you're granted a council home or not. They usually are for like lower income families, but not always. A lot, some of them can be middle class families, and just kind of depends. Secondly, the word poltergeist comes to us from the German words, which I actually have been learning a lot of German recently. So uh, the German words poltern, meaning to crash mm-hmm. or bang about, and the word okay. geist, which means sure. wind, spirit, or ghost. So poltergeist quite literally translates to knocking spirit 
or Noisy Ghost. Noisy Ghost being a good band name. I was going to say that. Yeah. Noisy I, Ghost is an amazing band name. Ghosts are the spirits of deceased people, making themselves known through apparitions, full-bodied or not, changing the temperature in a room, bringing strange odors, uh, and sometimes being able to speak. Hey, man, call me a ghost because I bring strange odors when I walk into the room. <laughs> you sure do, yeah. And you're noisy. And I fucking yell every time. You're very clumsy. I've seen you fall down and knock over shit constantly. Um, yeah. No, that's fair. Ghosts are not generally malevolent unless the person was a particularly evil person in life. They are entities with unfinished business, whether that's confusion about their death or an unwillingness to move on to the great beyond. Demons are straight up an evil spirit or devil. They exist, and this is where like rock music is playing as I'm saying this. They exist solely to torment human souls in hell and occasionally on earth. They aren't out for resolution of an issue, but rather pure malicious evil for evil's sake. Hell yeah. They feed off the emotional energy of fear and anger, sometimes entering into a pact with a human and leading to demonic possession. Usually the person being possessed is weak either physically or mentally. They're Suck getting that, me. Demonic cases. <laughs> Depend- <laughs> depending on your religion, and I mean like within de- your denomination within the Christian religion. Um, of course. Well, actually, there are other religions Nothing else besides exists. Christian nope. that mm-hmm. believe in demons. I as don't well. think so. Anyway. That sounds wrong. But depending on your religion, demons are often regarded as the fallen angels that Lucifer persuaded to join him in his war against heaven. Now, poltergeists are interestingly complex and different. And I must admit, I was not entirely sure what exactly a poltergeist was until this case. And would that be because, Jose, that they're complex and hard to understand because none of this is based in fact? No, this is 100% scientific. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. You'll see throughout this case, this is 100% oh, scientific. Oh, the, the, the scientific name of Noisy Ghost, gotcha. Well, it's poltergeist. Poltergeist are said to be able to bite, pinch, and otherwise attack human victims with the ability Sounds to... sexy. It does, actually, now that I think about it. <laughs> <laughs> with the ability to move, throw, and even break objects, something we'll see in this case. And although its definition implies it to be a certain type of ghost, most paranormal experts disagree, and you're going to hear that a lot, paranormal experts. Mm-hmm. Um, like us? Yeah. Most paranormal experts disagree and rather classify a poltergeist as active kinetic energy that causes physical disturbances. They are non-corporeal entities who feed off directly on the emotional state of a particular person rather than being linked to a particular place. They are not an angry spirit seeking retribution, but rather psychic disturbances surrounding an unhappy person, typically a teenager. Ugh. Some ex ugh, as if right. as if adolescence wasn't bad enough, and I gotta fucking worry uh, yeah. about some weird mind ghost. Yeah, so- we, they were too busy worrying about try guys. I, I'm I so know. far removed I'm so, from I, it. Uh, is, Taylor is, Swift's new album is is Among Us still a thing? Uh, Taylor Swift's new album. That's safe go. territory. We can't make any definitive statements on whether it's good or not, See, but we can Taylor say... Taylor Swift is more for millennials now. I don't even know if the young kids listen to Taylor Swift. That's more like zillennials like us. I think... I think... I think as... Because most of my social media thinks that I'm some sort of, uh, I think, 20-year-old lesbian. Oh, oh yours I'm, too, huh? 
Yes, so I'm pretty sure it. I'm pretty sure it's uh, it's still a thing. Oh, cool. Yeah. Some ex- experts explain that a, it is a mass form of energy that a person is controlling unknowingly. Two physicists, Piero Bronveto and Vera Maxia, wrote a paper titled "Some Conjectures About the Mechanism of Poltergeist <laughs> Phenomenon." You know, one of those classic fucking science things that's just the worst title ever. In which they argued that young women and children... The mechanic, the, mechanic, the, the mechanisms of poltergeist phenomenon would have been fine. Yeah. In which they argued that young women and children generate poltergeist activity by channeling energy into the quantum mechanical vacuum. Sure. Sounds like something out of a comic book, I will mm-hmm. admit. The quantum mechanical vacuums? Yeah, everyone <laughs> yeah. knows that. They postulate that although poltergeist activity has been reported all across the world and across various cultures, the one thing all the cases have in common is pubescent children or young women. The two physicists believe that this is the case because during puberty, a modification of the body occurs which involves various organs and these changes can fluctuate electron activity which can cause disturbances up to a couple meters outside of the brain. They believe that the extra fluctuations triggered by the pubescent brain can enhance virtual particles around the person, which increase the air pressure surrounding them, which could be responsible for moving objects. And finally, to wrap up this explanation of poltergeist, I would like to add that reports of poltergeist activity date all the way back to 530 AD. Do you have something to say? Okay. I just, it kind of all sounds like bullshit. Hmm. Jose. This is why I like um, doing Warren Case Files, because I am a believer, but some of the stuff I'm like, hmm, I don't know about that. And then you're just like straight up like, fuck that. <laughs> I to me, ghosts are I'm I'm more okay with ghosts when they're not defined scientifically. I'm like, yeah, sure, their shit's weird. That's understandable. Right. What I don't like was when they're like, look, when your organs shift around, it creates a mechanical vacuum of spirit energy, that, and it just, you know, it just shoots out your butthole, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I would definitely say that, like, I, when... I do kind of start to get a little sleepy when they start being like, well, ghosts are, if you take a look at the quantum mechanics of the universe, and I'm like, oh. Ghosts Can it just be are... a dead person who came back? Yep. Can yeah. it just be 100%. that with no explanation? That I'm fine with. Yep. Does it have to be the bleeding of another dimension, and as our dimensions cross and the interlocking channel, I'm like, ah, oh, it's all right. It's yeah. just a dead guy. It's just, just my grandpa. Guy. Yeah. <laughs> my grandpa that's just, just came back. That's, that's just Pappy Valle. Yeah. 20th Century Fox and George Lucas bring you an adventure unlike anything on your planet. Star Wars. The year was 1977. Star Wars had just taken the world by storm only three months prior. The first Apple II computers had just hit the shelves and Elvis Presley had been found dead on his toilet only two weeks before our story begins. Peggy Hodgson and her four children, Margaret, 13 years old, Janet, 11 years old, Johnny, 10 years old, and Billy, 7 years old, were turning in for the night on August 30th at their council home on 284 Green Street, Enfield, North London. The first event is disputed based on what source you follow, but for our sake we're going with the following. Peggy made her way to the girls' room to tell them to stop fighting after hearing banging coming from upstairs. The girls complained that the beds had been moving. 
Peggy thought nothing of it and went to bed. The next night, Peggy was awoken by the sound of shuffling on the floor and four loud knocks. She once again got up, prepared to tell the children to quiet down, but when she entered the room, she witnessed a dresser slide across and against the door. As she pushed back against the drawer, it slid back. Horrified, she and the girls made their way past it, and the family all ran to the neighbor's street, uh, to the neighbors across the street. The Nottinghams. Vic Nottingham and his son Gary went over to the home to investigate. Upon right, what's all this then? <laughs> that's exactly what they said, almost certainly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Upon entering the home, they heard loud knocks coming from all across the house. I. Did I, you just do an English accent I on accident? Kind of slipped into one for a second. It was like in my brain what you just said and so Yeah. <laughs> anyway, believing that someone was in the home, they called the police. Police arrived on site at approximately 1.15 a.m. They searched the home, checking the walls, attic, and pipes for the source right, of the Right, what's knock. all this then? That's, yeah, that's exactly the right quote. But they found nothing out of order. However, one of the officers, who was left alone with the family in the living room, witnessed a chair in the corner begin to wobble before sliding across the floor towards the kitchen wall moving three to four feet in distance. And they actually wrote this in their report. Mrs. Nottingham, concerned about what had transpired in her neighbor's home, called the Daily Mirror, who sent a reporter, Douglas right. Spence, and photographer Graham Norris to the family home. What's all this? <laughs> Again, the UK listeners, they gave us a second chance. Now they're like, no, 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 fuck this. Well, if they don't like it, they shouldn't, have, they shouldn't say it so much. They shouldn't have lost the war. That's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> How's how- your queen doing? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> They've got bigger things to worry about. It sounds fucky over there. I don't know what's uh, going on. I don't know on. what's happening, but I don't like it. Prime Minister's gone after like 60 days or something? Something crazy. crazy. The house sat mostly quiet until the reporters got up to leave, at which point the photographer Graham Norris was struck with a Lego brick above the eye, leaving a mark. <laughs> you know how mad I'd be? <laughs> what? All right, what's all this then? <laughs> Hey, fuck you guys. <laughs> That's a bloody joke. Um, the mirror. <laughs> you having a, you having a laugh? You taking the piss, yeah. mate? Oh. <laughs> this is all just gonna be us doing bad English. This is gonna be just uh, me doing my phrases. bad Billy Butcher impression. Oh, he's isn't he Australian? Yeah, the actor is, but the character is supposed to be British. The Mirror would then send senior reporter George Fallows and photographer David Thorpe. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. I, they gotta stop sending people to this fucking house, okay? The, pa- <laughs> the pair would visit the home with the intent to prove that Peggy was faking the entire thing to get a new council home. Just immediately, we're like, this lady's a fucking liar. But Breaking extra extra poor lady tries to, <laughs> to get a new house by faking ghost story. <laughs> but by the time they left, they were wholeheartedly convinced that something unexplainable was happening within those walls. Fallows would go on to say, Because of the emotional atmosphere... That was Scottish. Yeah, I don't know what that was. I was trying to do a posh one. I can only do Cockney. Hold on. Oh, oh dear. Oh dear. Good heavens. Because of the emotional atmosphere. I just immediately become Scottish. <laughs> it's fine. He can be Scottish, I guess. That doesn't matter. Because of the emotional atmosphere at the house and in the neighborhood. Well, look. It's, uh, I'm not an ad professional at accents. What? Okay. What do you mean? Yeah. Because of our emotional atmosphere at the house 
and in the neighborhood. Ranging from hysteria, through terror, to excitement and tension, it has been difficult to record satisfactory data. Nevertheless, I am satisfied the overall impression of our investigation is reasonably accurate. To the best of our ability, we have eliminated the possibility of total trickery, although we have been able to simulate most of the phenomena. In my opinion, this faking could only be done by an expert. Wow, that was so good. That was better. <laughs> Fallows would suggest to Peggy that they should reach out to the Society for Psychical Research, SPR. When he did, he was put into contact with Morris Gross, a new member who had joined a year prior after the death of his daughter, also named Janet. Gross would visit the Hodgson home on September 5th and would find chaos. Right, what's all the- Oh, fuck! Oh, fuck! <laughs> all right, he's fucking throwing Legos. Uh, he would find chaos, the home full of the family and neighbors all terrified of what was happening. I like to imagine that he just like walked in and they were all in the corner, like huddled. <laughs> like, uh, like, I like to imagine he came in and they were all doing like the Scooby Doo door and through the hallway oh, thing, too, where yeah. they're all running through and there's like a ghost and they're all just mm -hmm. like freaking out, and then yeah. he's just like, mm, "Indeed, mm. ghosts." Gross was, and certain members of the press wanted to see the activity firsthand, and sat and waited for an incident. This came on September eighth at one fifteen a.m. After hearing a loud bang, the group rushed into the girls' room to find them both still asleep but a chair now sat flipped over in the middle of the room, a meter away from where it had normally sat. This was enough to convince Gross to stay. On the 10th of September, the Daily Mirror broke the story, and soon everyone was aware of what they called the House, House of Strange Happenings. We need to workshop that title a little bit. Yeah. That same night, Peggy appeared on a radio show called Nightline on LBC. After the show, when she arrived home, she was greeted by BBC's Ross Morris, who joined the family in an all-night vigil and would also bear witness to the paranormal activity occurring within the home. During the beginning of his stay with the family, Gross would witness flying marbles, jumping teaspoons, boxes, and even a sofa that would fly into the air before crashing back down to the ground. One of the things that Gross said was that the like uh, Legos and flying marbles and stuff like that, stuff that would get thrown at them, he said that every time you picked it up, it was extremely hot. Uh, <laughs> like if it had been like shot out of like a cannon or something. It was always like really hot. Uh, Gross and a photographer rigged up a camera that would capture pictures every so often. And this is where the most infamous picture of Janet being, quote, thrown, end quote, from her bed came to be. Uh, and I've included the picture of her Mason. It really just looks like she's jumping off the bed. We'll get into that later. Okay. This would prompt Gross to call in for backup. Feeling that he may be a bit out of his depth, the SPR, in response, sent Guy Playfair, the man who would go on to write a book on the case titled This House is Haunted, The True Story of the Enfield Poltergeist. Uh-oh, <laughs> this Whoa. house got a ghost. The family were fed up with the activity and on September 25th fled to Peggy's brother's home. While John's wife, that's Peggy's brother, Sylvia made tea, a Lego brick materialized and dropped onto the kitchen table. Thus, the Hodgsons realized that no matter where they went, the activity was sure to follow. This was a problem they could not run from. Well, I, 
it seems like it's not that big of I mean that's just I mean, like just a Lego, a Lego brick and, I mean yeah shit wait a little bit more you have a full set you can build something <gasps> maybe he's building point. a bomb though slowly sending them <laughs> a like, Lego oh, bomb yeah Lego bomb and then they all die uh, made out of Legos but it's like actually a bomb though but how would it explode because it's Legos ghosts while the family was gone, Gross and Playfair would witness indentations form upon the pillows, as if someone were laying on them. Somewhere around this time, admittedly I'm unsure why, there arose a suspicion that a four-year-old girl who was smothered by her father with a pillow was responsible for the incident. This could be because Peggy had been given furniture that had belonged to the family of said child. Regardless of the origin of the theory, Peggy discarded all the furniture associated with the young child, yet the activity persisted. So that just randomly was like, what if a child died here? Um, yeah, it kind of seems like it. Kind of seems like that. I don't, I, again, it could be because maybe she was like, oh yeah, I got this uh, furniture from uh, this girl who was killed by her dad, and maybe that's where they were like, oh, she's behind it, or I don't know. Right, what if, what if, and I'm just, I'm just thinking out loud here. Yeah, 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 yeah alright. What if... That furniture you got there, right. little girl died in it. Well, well, actually, she did. Oh well. Her daddy, her daddy, he, he, um, he fucking strangled her to death with, with the pillow, didn't he? Suffocated, I guess. Not really strangled. Oh, oh. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Why well, What if that's the fucking ghost? Uh, th- that's the problem, right there. That's what I'm oh, saying. Right. Fuck this. We can sit on the floor. It's fucking fine. hell, yeah. Throw this out. Fuck. I mean, we're poor, so we probably shouldn't, but fuck it. Where? All right. Better than a ghost. Yeah, if it's huh? good enough for the Japanese, it's better it's than good a ghost. Yeah, all right. Because they sit on the floor, you know what I mean? No, I just didn't know you knew about. Oh, that's fucked. You think because I'm living in a council home, I don't know a fucking culture? No, because you're a fucking idiot. Oh, right, no. That's fucked. Now, that's that's right, fucked. <laughs> what? <laughs> Who the fuck are you, mate? Who the fuck? <laughs> who are you? Who are, are you, though? Why are we even here? Do you, are, you part of, are you part of this family? Because I'm not. <laughs> I'm, I'm fucking Peggy. I'm the mum. Oh, you're the mum. Yeah. Right. I, I should well, have probably introduced the character as that. I better go. All right. Wait, no, you left. <laughs> I'm in your home. That's how we're getting out of bits now, folks. Is I'm 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 gonna do the sound effects of a door and walking out. Wait, wait to let them know. Yeah, in case they were confused. At this point, it became clear that 11-year-old Janet had become the center of the activity. It is believed by some in the supernatural field that poltergeist activity is born out of major trauma or life events. For the Hodgsons, this seemed to be the case. Their father had abandoned the family for a much younger woman. They were living in poverty, and the youngest child, Billy, unlike the Conjuring film, was not living with the family. He had been sent to a boarding school because of behavioral problems. Maybe he was just saying, like, cunt. He's just like, hey, fucking cunt. Hey, fuck you, mate. I don't know, he's seven, I don't know. Maybe not. (laughs) William Roll, a parapsychologist who studied many U.S. poltergeist events, noticed a tendency for the person at the center of activity to exhibit symptoms of repressed anger or distress. He believed that the haunting was due to the discharge of mental energy he called recurrent spontaneous psychokinesis, or RSPK. 
R E S P E C T. Uh, There's a fucking ghost in me. Ooh. He postulated that the person was involuntarily employing RSPK in order to let out their repressed feelings. I want to take a second and mention an interesting fact that one of the sources I encountered spoke of. This particular article stated that many of the witnesses to the haunting had described hearing hollow knocking coming from throughout the house. Reportedly, what distinguishes a human knock from that of a poltergeist is that when a human knocks on a surface, there is a full amplitude of sound that tapers off. However, when a poltergeist knocks, it starts quietly before becoming louder and then fading away in a waveform much like that of an earthquake. According to Dr. Barry Colvin, a polyurethane technologist who carries out experimental psychical research... It sound it looks like it, it should looks be like it, it should looks be like physical. Cic- or, uh, cyclical to me but yeah. anyway poltergeist sound signatures cannot be reproduced Janet would begin to swear profusely and displayed increasingly aggressive behavior as the haunting went on she would run across the room suddenly and bash her head into the wall she would experience fits of rage where she would shout and swear it would have to physically be restrained After one of these bouts, a doctor was called to the home, and he administered 10 milligrams of Valium to Janet in order to sedate her. Ah, the good old days. When you just Valium your kids. Yeah. Yeah. Um, she seems to be upset. What if we give her synthetic heroin? (laughs) Right, sounds good to me. Hey, you're the doctor, mate, not me. I'm just a fucking ghost guy. I'm not a doctor, I'm just a man. That walked in here from the street. Oh. Reportedly, after she was sedated, she levitated and landed on her radio, where she was discovered by Peggy's brother, John. It's unclear if the levitation was witnessed or suspected. Curiously enough, Peggy and Margaret also began to experience strange activities, having very vivid dreams of things that would come to transpire in the future. It seems at this point, apparitions began to be spotted. A neighbor's brother reported seeing a light about a foot tall burning in the window of the Hodgson home before fading away. Another neighbor and Peggy would describe seeing the same elderly woman in separate windows at separate times. Janet's brother, Johnny, saw an old man with big teeth staring at him. In the end, it is believed... That's just a British man. I was going to say, that's probably just him looking in the mirror. (laughs) Well, I guess not old, because he's a young kid, but whatever. In the end, it is believed that 15 separate people saw some kind of supernatural activity during the duration of the haunting. A physicist who visited the home, John Hasted, strapped Janet to a modified Blundell couch that would measure her weight for any anomalies. What's a, what's a Blundell couch? So I, I, I wondered the same thing. I wondered if it was just like... A, one of those like uh, ghost instruments, but uh, if you look at Blundell couch, it's just a type of couch. So I'm not sure what his couch looked like and how it was modified to measure anomalies. I'm assuming it was just in weight, or I don't know what other anomalies it was measuring. But it literally in the article it just says that he strapped it to a Blundell couch that would measure anomalies. So I don't know. <laughs> Sounds like he just put a couch on a scale. Maybe. He would find that her weight fluctuated during the activity, seemingly with no explanation. He would also observe a light bulb explode, also with no explanation. 
And so now I'm thinking this couch had light bulbs on it too. So now I'm like, what is this thing? You know, like I'm just confused. And imagine you get a, your your family's being haunted. You get a knock at the door, and there's some guy, and he's like, "Let me put my weird couch in here." <laughs> no, no, cause this couch has a scale, right? On light bulbs. On light bulbs or and on, light bulbs. On. Oh, light owned. Bulbs. Right, I forget we're British. That's how we talk. Uh, you have yeah, a laugh, right. mate. At my <laughs> accent. You're taking the piss. You're taking the piss. You want to get glassed. It's got a scale. Right. Right. On light bulbs. Well, tell you what, we'll take it. I've actually just thrown out all my fucking furniture because that oh. guy over there said I should. So, yeah, yeah. fuck it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Put it in there. Bring it in. Otherwise, the only problem, I did kill a little girl on this couch. Uh. Ooh, that's all right. It's all right. We'll take it. Yeah. Hey, beggars can't be choosers. Am I right? Like they can't. They can't. They're hot. <laughs> so, another physicist by the name of and just these motherfuckers just keep coming in. And literally, this house. The I watched an interview with Janet and Margaret where they talked about how like it was just they would come from a school home from school and the door was just open and there was another person there who was like, "We're here to meet you." Like we're here to poke at you and whatever. Um, if another physicist who visited the home, uh, David Robertson, tried to secretly videotape Janet, but found that all his attempts failed. He would witness a sideboard overturning, Janet levitating, and a cushion being transported to the roof, amongst other things. Why was I'm he just trying to record? Say, yeah, look, I understand ghost hunting. Don't secretly record children. That's weird. Mm-hmm. That's weird. It's weird. It's not good. The family was sent away for a week by the council, and rather than permanently, rather than permanently rehousing them, they're like, "Fine, we'll give you a weekend away." You know. Uh, when the family returned, Gross decided to communicate with the spirit using knocks. One for no, two for yes. These are some of the questions he asked. Are you a male spirit? Did you used to live in this house? Was it more than 50 years ago? Did you die in this house? Are you unhappy? Why are you here? Is it because you want to give us a special message? Are you having a game with me? Upon asking the final question, the spirit threw a cardboard box and pillow at Gross's face. Honestly, I'm a little bit upset because my He's next question... The piss. Was going to be, would he like a nice cuppa? Aw. And the ghost says, sorry. Yeah. And then it throws one, a cuppa in his face. One lump or two? I'm sorry, that's, that doesn't work. Uh, would you like one lump? I forgot. Which one means no? <laughs> Does that mean two lumps, or did you want no lumps? No, I... Ah, oh, man. On the 12th of November, at the suggestion of a psychic, Janet left pens and papers out for the spirit to use. Okay, once again, to leave her a message. I love these guys just that Psychics? are well, just the idea that like you and I could have come up there and been like, "No, we're ghost hunters. Let us get in here." Have you ever thought about leaving like a pen and a post-it note out? You ever thought about getting a whiteboard? Mm, oh, a whiteboard. Yeah, yeah. You ever thought about getting uh one of those like uh 
the uh, little the little things that you can draw the little etch-a-sketch. oh an etch a sketch etch a sketch yes there we an go. etch a sketch what yeah. if we what if we we get baby powder put it on the floor see if fo- footprints show up now we're talking and they're all like hmm? wow these guys are the greatest ghost hunters what? ever oh my god if Peggy would find one on the fridge that said I will stay in this house do not read this to anyone or I will retaliate the next message found on the living room table said can I have a tea bag. <laughs> Which is really funny, the the shift from being like, bitch, I'll kill well, you, to like, hey, man, can I have a tea <laughs> To be fair, she didn't tell anybody about it. Yeah, true. So he was just like, oh, right. Well, tea bag. Thank you for that. Peg, can I have a tea bag, please? Peggy would grab a tea bag and place it on the table, and a torn tea bag would manifest next to it. Peggy's ex would show up at the home one day, and she showed him the messages left by the entity. When he left... Peggy apologized to the spirit for showing him the messages. Another message appeared saying, It was a misunderstanding. Don't do it again. I know who that was. The writing was reportedly very similar to Janet's. Well, seems like a nice ghost. Yeah, I do like that the ghost is like, That's alright. We all make mistakes. Hey, I won't be a poltergeist, but I'm not a dick. Alright, I understand. It's an old flame. It brings up old emotions. You want to yeah. tell him about something exciting in love. It's cool. It's cool. Don't oh. worry about it. I'll tell you, Ghost. It's just been, it's just been real hard. Oh with no, him no 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 leaving no, no, no. me. Oh, so, so I'm, so, I'm so, terribly so, so, sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so no, sorry. No, I'm sorry. No, no. Listen, listen, love, love, love. Yeah, yeah. I was not trying to hear all your drama. I was not trying oh. to have you like trauma dump right now. I was just trying. No, to No, I honest. just listen. Show me your tits. That's all I'm interested in. I. Show me your tits. I don't really do this oh. feeling stuff. Let's just bang this out, right? Oh, I'm sorry. Wait. I thought I thought that's where this was going. You thought uh, you thought I was feeling you. Oh, I thought. Oh you no, just, babes. Come no, on, babes. Babes. The note come was on. so nice and. Show me your tits, love. Come on. Now it's the fake taxi guy. <laughs> if anybody, I, I'm unfamiliar. Videos, I'm uh, unfamiliar. It's a documentary. Don't worry about it. Mm-hmm. On the 29th of November, the first medium visited the home. That's how all those videos are. Okay, so basically the premise <laughs> of Fake Taxi is it's a it's a porn thing, right? And this guy drives it around in a taxi and he picks women up and then, oh, it's supposed to be women. They pick up on the street and then they have fucking. But it's, it always goes like this. The girl will be like, oh, I don't have enough to pay. He's like, tell you what, love. Why don't I find someone nice and quiet, a park, I go in the back there. You can show me your tits. <laughs> and then they're fucking. <laughs> anyway. I'll cut that out. <laughs> no, it was good. very good. <laughs> On the 29th of November, the first medium visited the home. A Brazilian by the name of Luis Gasparetto, accompanied by his interpreter, Elsie Dubgrasa, a member of the healing department of Sao Paulo State Spiritist Federation. Hello. I'm the translator. Oh. Hello. I mean, hello. Right. Hi. What's, what's this guy's deal, then? Oh, he's a medium. Ah, uh, well, uh, I'll that's, get to that in a second. That's my version of Portuguese. I heard you, uh, I heard you guys have tried a uh, small and a large, and neither of them fit. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That's a little bit of medium humor. All right, so what he wants to know is, <laughs> has there been any ghosts around here recently? That's a little bit of a medium joke. That's very good. They offered some spiritual healing to the family, which gave some comfort. Louise uh, would... He uh he said, um, show us your tits. 
Louise would go into a trance-like state and produce drawings and paintings. And after their departure, Janet would also produce drawings. Hers were bloody and disturbing. She also scribbled the name Watson over and over. And it would turn out that a family named Watson had previously occupied the home. And the wife had died of a throat tumor in a manner very similar to one of the drawings Janet had produced. On December 3rd, Janet was pulled out of bed and dragged headfirst down the stairs where Gross was standing, witnessing the whole thing. More members of the SPR joined them on the 10th of December, Dr. John Belof and Anita Gregory, who, if you've seen The Conjuring 2, she's the sassy bitch. Who's I like, need your a Gregory. Daughter, your daughter is faking this. I need a Gregory in my life, too. Um, after some, they would, they would challenge the entity to speak. And after some whistles and barks, a voice calling himself Joe Watson began to speak from within Janet. However, the next night it would identify itself as Bill Wilkins on the 13th of December, Maurice Gross and his son, sorry, Morris Gross and his son, Richard questioned the entity. The following is some of the audio recorded. Let me hear you say my name. Come on, let me hear you say my name. That's not my name. Whether you remember what happened to you when you died. Just before you died and just after you died. not my name it's interesting yeah it's no annalise michael tapes but still i mean yeah (sighs) yeah the voice would identify itself as bill wilkins who had died at the age of 72 when richard asked how he died the gruff voice responded with i went blind out of hemorrhage i fell asleep and died in a chair in the corner downstairs Bill's son, Terry, would later go on to confirm that was the manner in which his father had died. When Playfair asked why he was invisible, Bill responded with, I'm invisible because I'm a G-H-O-S-T, bitch. I added the Find bitch Find out part. what <laughs> it means yeah. to my... Um, <laughs> in order to rule out the possibility of Janet faking the voice, a series of tests were conducted, which included taping her mouth shut, making her hold water in her mouth. I was just about to ask if they made her take a drink of water. It's like you and I showed up to this fucking thing. You could, um... And they were the experts. That's what thing. if, uh... Here, what if, um... Alright, mm. Janet, close your mouth and I'm just gonna... I'm just gonna pinch your lips together. Okay, now don't open them. No, no, no. See, you're okay, opening no, them. Uh, see, no, I'll just... No, I'm gonna hold her together. I'm gonna hold her lips together. <laughs> Okay. Jana, we can't understand you. Are you 
playing the trumpet or are you talking? Right. I'm going to be honest. I So here's the thing is I don't know if this is the ghost trying to speak or Janet because I'm holding the lips. No, that's her. I'm over here, guys. Oh, do you know what she was saying? Some Something about... So, Janet, love, could you say that again? It's, a, it's something about a trumpet, right? It sounds like a fucking trumpet to me. I think oh, yeah. you said something about, I was thinking about the situation, it's kind of been blown out of proportions, and you're actually pitching me quite hard. That anyway, sounds, I'm going to throw just, some shit around. All right. <laughs> Janet, you gotta learn to speak you know, with your honestly, mouth pinched shut. <laughs> if a poltergeist announced that they were gonna throw some shit around, I might just let them. Like if, like if, if I'm sitting at home and then I hear voices, "Hey, I'm gonna start flinging shit," I'd be like, "Oh, all right." No, I don't want to alarm. I, you know what? Fuck you. I'm not. I, this is my poltergeist. It doesn't have to do that accent. No, no, it's okay. Nah, I don't want to alarm you, but I reckon I'm gonna. Toss some stuff around your house. Oh, man. I'd be like, oh. Well, at least they like gave me a warning, though. Now, I'm rightful sorry I gotta wake you from your slumber, but there's actually a rule that says I have to throw six items a night. So They, they made her hold water in her mouth, which she did, but the voice could still be heard. A speech therapist who examined Janet said they couldn't be certain where the voice was coming from though it bore some resemblance to a false vocal cord tone. There is a voice effect known as plica ventricularis, which is where the muscle tension behind the throat can produce sounds independent of vocal cords. I'm no doctor. Mm Mm-hmm. But has anyone looked at her butthole? Oh, wait, this is the... She doesn't have vocal cords in her butthole. He might be on to something. However, using this muscle tension to speak often results in an extremely sore throat and can do some serious damage. So can I. <laughs> I'm talking about an 11-year-old no, girl. No, 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 no. I'm just saying in general. Oh, man. In None general? Which, to like, it, oh. I'm sorry. You're, you're, I'm oh, going to turn people on was by saying I can do throat damage? Yeah, because you know my penis. Anyway. None of which happened to Janet, who would speak for up to three hours. This led the researchers to conclude that Janet was being used as an amplifier for something else. A hypnotist was brought in to question Janet, and he asked her the following questions. Now, I'm not a doctor, Mm. but what if she swallowed a speaker? You see, that's the thing, is kids nowadays are doing all sorts of crazy stuff. Right. it could be possible. She swallows the yeah. speaker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the cord runs up through the couch. Right, 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 right. Up a bum. Wait, are you the guy who was saying And then connects to the speaker. On, I don't... The guy no, who was, who was no, the no. No, that guy. was a different... That was a sicko. That was a disgusting man. I am a completely different person. Do you know who is doing this? Me and my sister. Why do you think you are to blame? I I don't know who is. What what does it feel like? Cold hands gripping me. Gripping me around my body. Oh, I'm sorry. That's just my creepy ghost hands. (laughs) And I'm from the south now. How you doing, sugar? Who started all this trouble? 
None of us. What is the cause of all this trouble? An increase in unhappiness. Kind of sounded like Dobby the house elf. Harry Potter must not go back to Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry. Yeah, I could I could take Toby Jones' job. That was Toby Jones? That was Toby Jones. I always fucking forget it was Toby Jones until I see like behind the scenes and I'm like, holy shit, that was Toby Jones. Did he do the mocap too? Uh, good question. The hypnotist, Fletcher, would conclude that this was not fraud. That, yes, perhaps the girls were doing some of the things like springing out of bed, but it was not of their own free will. Some thing was making them do it. Because, you know, hypnotists are also licensed psychologists. Yeah. Hey. Just a thought here? Just to put it into perspective. I'm just saying, she seems legit. There was a guy in my hometown who was a hypnotist, and his name is the Hypno Hick. Cool guy. But his name should tell you. Jose, you make a solid point. Let me just rebuttal with, look at this watch. Yeah. Look at this watch. Are you looking at it? Yes. All right, I'm going to count to three, and then I'm going to snap my fingers. And when you do, you're going to believe that all hypnotism is always real, okay? Uh Uh-huh. One, two, three. And I just believe this guy because I think I read an article somewhere that all hypnotism is real. I would argue that hypnotism is more than science. Yes, I would too. Mm-hmm. For yeah. some reason, I don't really know why, but yeah, yeah. Probably because it just seems right. Yeah. On the fifteenth of December, one of the strangest encounters occurred. The local lollipop lady Hazel mm-hmm. Short, sure, witnessed Janet levitating in her room from the street. She says, "Quote: I was standing there looking at the house." when all of a sudden a couple of books came flying across and hit the window. It was so sudden. I heard the noise because it was so quiet. There was no traffic, and it made me jump. And after a little while, I saw Janet. I don't know if there's a bed underneath that window, but she was going up and down bodily as though someone was just tossing her up and down bodily. In a horizontal position, bodily, like like I've already said twice for some reason. Like as if someone had got hold of her legs and back and was throwing her up and down. I definitely saw her come about window height, but but I thought if she was bouncing, she'd bounce from her feet like those pictures that you all saw by now probably. She wouldn't be able to get enough power to bounce off her back to come up that high. My friend could see her as well. We both could see her. Right. Thank That's you. interesting. Local lollipop lady no, Hazel just, Short. She's just doing her job. She's walking. She looks over and What's she sees. What's her job? What's her job? What's her uh, job? I think a lollipop lady is probably like the uh, elote man here in America, like the, the, the popsicle man. Like the ice cream I drug. live in Iowa, and your uh, first true, reference right. was the elote man, he's like which the, I understand. It's street like corn, but that that's like not a thing. The, he's like the guy that comes in with like a little cart, and he sells like elote and like other various snacks. Uh, or like an ice cream man, like a, she's like a candy man. It was the seventies. God, Iowa has no culture, does it? Uh, we like to repress things. Oh, we like to see. We like to have competitions to see who can shove their emotions farthest down. Did you win? Well, no one ever wins because no one can ever go deep enough. Oh, 
on the Dece- on December twenty. But it is weird though, because in those pictures that we saw, it lo- definitely looks like she's bouncing. It looks like she's taking a step off her foot. But in this encounter, this lady says that it looked like she was literally like going up and down, like straight, like if someone like was planking. Grabbing. Yeah. So that is interesting. On December twenty third, the family's goldfish was found dead, with Bill admitting that he had killed them electrocuting them with spirit energy on christmas i'm just imagining emperor palpatine yeah (laughs) (laughs) on christmas day the family's parakeet was also found dead strangled in its cage (laughs) it's not funny mason it's a little funny to think somebody just because they've got tiny little necks you know so just someone would be like "Ah!" Especially because it's a parakeet. So it's like, stop strangling. Oh, you do a really good bird voice. (laughs) I do. Much better than my English accent. If we ever have a bird murder, I'm going to crush it. Oh, yeah. Can't wait for that episode. I was the killer. (laughs) Later that same day, Janet would be attacked by a curtain that wrapped itself around her neck before she was freed from it. And that actually happens in The Conjuring 2 as well. She also complained that she had seen a knife following her around, and Peggy would find a knife on the stairs. Now, that's scary, I'm sure, but it is kind of comical to just, like, turn around and there's a knife, like, floating. Well, because you know it's, like, accompanied by the... What's that We No, the, like, uh... That's, like, all... You played by the, the like... Oh, the, uh, you know, homophone or we whatever. Use it, we use it in our intro. It's called yeah. the, um, uh, the theremin. Yeah, the theremin. That's right. Yeah. Ooh. Is it like, it's like yeah. doing like a Three Stooges thing. Yeah. Where it's like, that's like a slide wah, wah, wah. Shut up. <laughs> On January 15th, Peggy's birthday, fecal matter was discovered on the walls as well as puddles mm. of diarrhea that appeared out of nowhere. Happy birthday, here's that some didn't... shit on the wall. Why didn't that make it into the movie? That's what I'm saying. Why wasn't that in The Conjuring when Ed and Lorraine turn the corner and it's There's... like, Lorraine, I think this is... Oh. <coughs> Hold on. Hold on. It's shit. Just Patrick Ghost Wilson. shit. Just Patrick Wilson being like, Oh god! Oh fuck! Oh god! This is shit, guys. This is fucking I, shit. The rain's walking through the spirit world, seeing a ghost just being like. <laughs> uh, so samples were taken and sent to the lab, uh, and the results it's returned sh- shit. as cat urine. Weirdly enough, they didn't own a cat. Okay, but also they couldn't tell the difference? The results came back and it was cat urine. I've seen diarrhea and I've seen cat urine and they're not the same no. thing. So, I don't know. I can do I can eye test tell you the difference between cat urine and diarrhea. Peggy would see a man from the waist down walking up the stairs one night. And a few days after, I think she just like clothes on, obviously. You think it's just, oh, he's just imagining a giant dick? Yeah, just like a floating, yeah. Swinging around. A few days after, the words, I am Fred, were found on the bathroom door, written in electrical tape. Finally, in May of 1978, buzz began to circulate around the home 
that the infamous American ghost hunters, Ed and Lorraine Warren, were coming to the home. That's right, Mason. Almost. almost, They're like kicking down the door shirtless with aviators on. We've talked about this. Ed pulls up in sunglasses for sure. Almost a year into our story, they finally fucking show up. We're here to save the day. A case that in the film is credited as one of their most diabolical cases, and they didn't even get involved into a year in. And check this out. The Warrens conducted their own investigation, which reportedly only lasted one day. Mm. One day. And in and they made a whole fucking movie where it was like, these guys did everything. Let me, hold on. Mason. Let me just mo- get in And here. I've seen the, and the worst, and the thing is like, you could be like, well, Jose, obviously it's a movie. It's played up. Yeah. And then I watched interviews of them where they talk about this being one of the hardest cases they were ever involved in. These motherfuckers showed up, looked around, and dipped. <laughs> what? And I mean, they, and they then then they went around being like, that challenged me to my core. I looked at Lorraine and I said, Lorraine, this is the closest I ever want to get to hell. And and yeah, I know my Ed Ed Warren kind of sounds like Alex Jones. They're turning the fucking frogs gay. <laughs> They're turning the fucking ghosts gay. Ah, uh, I just. I didn't get out of the car, actually. I, I we re-rolled up, and I was like, well, seems spooky-dooky in there. L- L- Lorraine didn't want to get out of the car because it was a poor person's house, and she doesn't really mess with that, so I understand Yucky. that. Well, to be, and this is actually, to be fair, did you hear about the but they, cat urine so thick it was diarrhea? <laughs> I mean, that's actually pretty gross. <laughs> They declared the home was indeed haunted, and Ed suggested that the activity was actually demonic in nature, not a poltergeist. He was quoted as saying, Those who deal with the supernatural day in and day out know the phenomena are there. There's no doubt about it. At some point, the SPR formed a... And that's it. That's all they're mentioned in the story, and then they're gone. Most of the research I encountered, which is funny because I know everyone's like, well, Zay, you are marketing this as a Warren case file. Shut the fuck up. But all the research I found- If they can cash in on it, we can too, dicks. Most of it did not even mention. Out of like 10 pieces of research I found, three mentioned the Warrens. Peggy, 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 please. Uh, yes. Uh, my name's Patrick, obviously. Um, please uh, take a seat here. I think we, I, I think I, we have a few things. We've come to. We've ended our investigation. Um, it's, Your name uh, is Patrick. Yes, my name's Patrick. Um, right, Ed. My name's Ed. <laughs> the the, the actor Patrick Wilson. Yes. Uh, anyway, uh, Peggy, my name's Ed. Uh, please, could you take a seat? Uh, we've concluded our investigation, and we'd like to just what? kind of work. What? I said, right. Oh, I can't understand your weird, limey accent. Um, it's so it's it's uh three thirty in the afternoon. We got here eleven ish. Uh, we didn't really get lunch, so we're gonna actually bust out of here an hour early. Um, we just figured we'd wrap things up with you real quick. So, um, okay. I think the most important thing for you to know is that there's a ghost in your house. Yeah, we've we've known that for like a year. Right, I've had like good. a lot of people here telling us that. Oh, that's good. Okay. Um, so just so you know, it might be more than a ghost. 
Like a could like, be. I don't know for sure. Like perhaps a poltergeist, like everyone's been saying. Yeah, it could be, or it could even be a demon. Uh, is there like evidence for demonic interference or presence or? Well. <sighs> Yes and no. There's a lot that goes into this. Uh, you wouldn't under. You're not a ghost expert like uh, me, okay. so it would probably it wouldn't be worth our time. And I mean, we're really there's a kebab place down the street that closes uh, in about 15 minutes, so I couldn't. I don't have the time to explain it to you, but um, you've got there's your house. It's haunted. So right. Th- thanks. I guess. Yeah. Are hey. You gonna, are no you gonna, problem. Like come back and try to like help hmm? us out and like. Rid us of the ghost, or what? I... No. Oh. Oh. Okay, I'm just, because I'm just yeah. confused as to what so, you're doing. Well, it was or... lovely meeting you. Oh, okay. I mean, it's so nice. I'd, I'd shake your hand, but <laughs> gross. Um, okay. So, uh, we're going to go get that. Um... <gasps> oh, yeah. wait, is that the ghost over behind you? Oh, oh, he's gone. He's gone. Uh, right, uh, I forgot to tell you, uh, Peggy. It is going to be three thousand dollars for us coming into the home, and uh, uh, we we can take check or cash. It doesn't really matter to us. I don't have any money. How much, Lorraine? How much do you think that dress over there costs? That's me, mom's. Right, right, right. It's Lorraine, do you think we get like two, 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 three, three? Ah, like two fifty. Yeah, we're gonna take that uh, dresser. Oh, just, <laughs> just him and Lorraine. <laughs> All right, y'all have a good one. You know what? Uh, hey, uh, I we actually decided that dresser it wasn't worth their time. It didn't fit in the car. Um, we did light it on fire in your front <laughs> yeah, yard, though, say, like um, as nuts. payment. So <laughs> I'm kind of a pyro uh, pyromaniac, but we don't have to talk about that now. At some point, the SPR formed a committee to carry out their own investigation. They determined that the paranormal phenomena was legit but were hesitant to give credibility to the voice of Bill. In order to eliminate any doubts that Bill Wilkins was not actually speaking through Janet, the family sent her to Maudsley Hospital, a psychiatric hospital in South London. There, Janet underwent extensive psychological and physical evaluation at the Institute of Neuropsychiatry under Dr. Peter Fenwick, and nothing was found to be wrong with her. No brain damage, nor epilepsy, a common skeptical explanation for possession. Janet would return on the 1st of September, and within half an hour of being back home, would see the apparition of a young boy. On the 3rd of October, another medium visited the house at Enfield, a Dutchman named Dano Grimlig Mailing, who came to the house and reported, reportedly traveled along the astral plane. He was certain that a 24-year-old woman had something to do with the case. Yeah, this is crazy. There is 24-year-old woman here. Who are you? I am Astro Projector. Have you seen Doctor Strange? <laughs> I did what he does. I don't think... It's fucking crazy movie. Oh, that hasn't come out yet. Sorry. I don't even know if the comic character exists. What's? Do you see the ghost over there? <laughs> Look huh? behind you. You know, it's weird, because I thought he would just astral project away, but he I heard his footsteps, so. 
And then our one Dutch listener has just shut the podcast off. I swear I am never going to listen to this terrible podcast like again. Uh, Gross believed that this could perhaps be his daughter, who was 24 at the time of her death and again was also named Janet. After this declaration of activity, uh, after this declaration and a visit from a priest, activity tapered off and eventually, after more than a year, came to an end. I suppose that one of the most extraordinary things about the whole case was the voice. Now, this voice was quite something. Maurice Gross would remain in contact with the family until his death at 87 years old in 2006. He found himself defending his investigation over and over at the end of his days. Guy Playfair remained an author and member of the SPR until his death in 2018. Peggy Hodgson remained in the home until her death in 2003. Janet left home at 16 and married young. Her brother John died in 1981 at the age of 14 after his battle with cancer. Both Janet and Margaret have made television appearances in the subsequent years and remained steadfast that the case was real. Janet would say that in the end, it wasn't all sunshine and rainbows. She endured bullying from classmates and the public at large, including many publications that lambasted the 11-year-old girl uh, in the media. Ghost girl, ghost girl, Janet's a ghost girl. They actually did call her ghost girl. Well, that's kind of weird. Wow. wow, not very clever. No, it was literally the first thing I thought yeah. of. <laughs> Two, uh, and also at the time, the family did not benefit at all financially from the event, as during that time there was no such thing as what we now refer to as, uh, um, oh God, what was the term? Like basically, like money journalism, where people get paid for their story. Like that was not the case mm. back then. To this day, Janet remains haunted by the events that transpired that fateful year in Enfield. And she claims that until her mother's death, a presence could still be felt in the home, watching at all times. It was terrible for us financially. All we gained from the experience was the the Warrens burned our (laughs) dresser. We've actually, Mason, I've actually, this is a Captain's Log exclusive. I do have a tape of the... uh, one of the entities within the home. I want to play it for you. Okay. Oh, my fucking God. How did I get here? They don't even have fucking Little Caesars in fucking England. What the fuck? One minute little I'm fucking in Joyzy, and the next thing I'm over here. Like, what in the fucking hell? What little is, Caesars pizza demon. Yeah, who the fuck are you? What, what, you were behind? What you, <laughs> you were behind this the whole yeah, time? I would have gotten away with it, too, if it weren't for those two fucking Americans burning that dresser. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, that, that's that's what revealed me. And what made you decide Thanks, to come on... Ed Warren, you fucking cunt. What made you decide to come on your favorite podcast to talk about, to finally reveal that it was you after all these years? Oh, is that what I'm doing? I thought this was I thought this was a tape from the time. No, yeah, all right, sure. Uh, I think this is more fun. Um, well, honestly, uh, it seems like you guys kind of forgot about me. I was like the fucking face of this podcast for a long time, and then boom, all of a sudden I'm gone for like 27 episodes. What's up with that? No. Kind of fucked up, guys. Kind of really fucked up. Uh, no, little Caesar's no, 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 no. Demon Ghost. Up. All right. You guys didn't even send me any pizza in the meantime. 
I've just been we sitting thought, down I thought your thing out. was getting pizza. We have to send it to you? I mean, I, can, I don't fucking need your pizza. All right, bitch. It's, you're acting like I'm a needy fucking asshole. No. No. Oh. Okay. We, I thought we were pals. I thought that's what we did. I don't oh. I don't know. I did I don't know. I'm just. Uh, I don't know. I thought hey, I thought hey, hey, something. Hey, more. hey, hey! Pizza, fine. pizza no, no, demon, no, pizza. De- little, little, little. Look at me, little Caesar's pizza demon. Look at me. Yeah. Jose and I owe you an apology, and we're and very pizza. sorry. And pizza, yes. And we're gonna send you. We're gonna send you that pizza as soon as you get out of Jose's body. I will send you. I don't. I will tell. It. No, I'm sure no, it's it's soft. It it's probably very, doesn't smell great. No, I well, just. I, it, I'm take sure it, it smells hey, terrible. Take it easy on him. Right. It and right. I'm it's guessing it probably just full of. It's just painful. It's just nothing <laughs> but pain coming from take everywhere. Guy's got a weird head. I don't know. Some of the thoughts in here. I, I'm looking at some of the files. There's one uh-huh. here labeled Mason and Jose uh, fan fiction. I don't know what. That's yeah. About. Uh, you just, know what's uh, sadder about that is he's actually just told me about that. That's not even like a secret. Yikes. Okay, well, yeah. I'm going to get out of here. Uh, okay, well, we'll, we'll be, get you that pizza, we'll, and we'll talk to you more often. We'll, we'll be talking soon. All right. Yes. <laughs> Jesus Christ, man. What did I miss? Actually. Little yeah. Caesar's ghost. I'm in him now. I know uh, you don't know this. Little Caesar's demon. <laughs> we never even discussed a name. Yeah, I, I couldn't remember it either. I thought your name was... Little Caesar, I'm not gonna lie to you. Like little, you thought Caesar. I was like little Cesar, you know? Actually, that's fucking adorable. We don't have time to do this bit a whole nother time the other way. Send me pizza and hell, you motherfuckers! Wow. Anyway, it's always so, I was. It's always so yeah. good to 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 reconnect with old friends. It is now with the story out of the way, Mason. Let's talk about some of the reasons people believe that the Enfield haunting was nothing more than a big phony hoax. Let's begin with the infamous picture of Janet being levitated from her bed. It just looks like she leapt off of it. Yeah, All right. 100%. Then there's the fact that Playfair, Playfair observed uh, in his case notes that Wilkins generally refused to speak unless the girls were alone in the room with the door closed, which is sus. Anita Gregory, a member of SPR, concluded that the whole thing was overrated and reportedly two investigators caught the children bending spoons and banging on the ceiling with broom handles, something the girls would admit to themselves, saying they faked activity to see if Gross and Playfear would catch them, and they always did. When asked later on how much of the activity was fake, they would state that out of all the activity that occurred, 2% was fabricated by them. Just like the milk. A magician named Milburn Christopher dropped by to check things out and said the activity was the work of a little girl who wanted to cause trouble and who was very, very clever. Also, who the fuck is this guy, though? He's a magi- just like a random, like, street magician. Wah! Yeah, Hello. Is- <laughs> My name is Milburn Christopher. And Why I'd like your, to say... Your name seems huh? backwards. What? It seems like your first yes? name should be Christopher and your last name should be no. Milburn. Alakazoo, I put a quiet spell on you. Okay. Now, so that is- I would say, in my professional, magical opinion, yeah. that this was just a little girl who liked to cause trouble and was very, very, very 
Alakazip, Alakazam, get that spell off this man. You were about to, you wanted to say something. I could tell. Uh, yeah, I was. Well, first off, it never worked. I, I was talking earlier. Um, oh, you're say, I itching could, for a quiet spell again. I, I could say that you're uh, a, a little man who wants attention and maybe n- never grew up, and that's why they're still a magician instead of like getting a real job. And I've seen your tricks. I remember you. I'm pretty sure you were at my birthday party. Not that Alica good. Flip, Alica Flop. If you don't stop talking, Christopher Melbourne will cut your fucking head off. And that's all the time we have for him, folks. Kazow! Ray Allen, a ventriloquist, said Janet was playing tricks with Bill's voice because she enjoyed the attention. Another damning fact was that Playfair said that Bill, one of the voices Janet became most well-known for, had similar vocal tics and habits to Janet, such as changing the topic of conversation often. Playfair also stated that Ed Warren told him that there was a lot of money to be made from the case. But to be fair, the family that moved in after the Hodgsons also reported strange incidents too, hearing strange voices and once even seeing the apparition of a man in their home walking into different rooms. They only lasted two months. And this is interesting because when we did Amityville, it, you know, the Amityville, the, 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 the people living in Amityville were like, oh my God, so much happening or whatever. And then the next people who came in were like, nah, nothing. So it is interesting to see that in this case it was like, no, yeah, there was some weird shit that happened uh, after they someone else moved in. But what do you what do you make of the case? Do you have any thoughts, Mason? Anything you'd like to share? Yeah, do you no, think not this really. Is a hoax? I mean, do you think this was real? I think it's. I have no idea. It's just it's gotten so big. I can't. I can't tell anymore. The thing with me is, I mean, I've said this a thousand times on this podcast. I am a believer, but I'm a careful believer. I don't want to believe everything just for the sake of being like ghosts are real. Um. So when I, I went back and forth with this case as I was researching it, when I first started it, I was like, yeah, it's real. And then I got into it and some of the stuff didn't quite add up. And I was like, oh, no, this is fake. <laughs> but then again, towards the end, there was stuff that didn't add up. And I was like, oh, this is real, maybe, probably some. So I think what happened is I kind of agree with Anita Gregory and some of the members of the SPR that the case may have started real and some of the activity may have been real and then the girls maybe played it up. Mm, Yeah. Um, I do think that they... Because I've seen interviews with them now and they always get very emotional talking about the time and of course, you know, people can fake cry or whatever. But I think that they were genuinely terrified of something within the home. But But I think that maybe... Again, they were they, perpetuating it, even if they weren't doing it on purpose. They yeah, were kind of, maybe yeah. like subconsciously they were playing it up. The Bill Wilkins thing, and the listeners can decide for themselves, but to me, I can hear her voice in it. There's moments where mm. it kind of cracks. And it's again, it's not like the Annalise Michael case, which I know that some people believe that Annalise Michael wasn't actually possessed by a demon. I understand that. But like when you hear those recordings, that is genuinely like, how could a, a woman, like, of what a regular voice sound like, how could she produce these noises? Whereas with this one, there's moments where I'm like, oh, I hear I hear the little girl in it. Because mm. a lot, one of the things that happens with this case is people are always like, she was making noises that no little girl could produce. And I'm like, yeah. But then again, they also talk about like, well, if she was doing it the way that 
it's most likely that she was doing it, she would cause permanent damage to her vocal cords and she could speak up to three hours like that. So then it's like, well, maybe she was just extremely talented or, you know, maybe there was something speaking through. I, my final thoughts on this is just, I don't know. I don't know. I want to believe that some of it is real, but I don't know if I believe that all of it is real. And this case certainly showed to me, it's pushing me further away from liking the real life Warrens. I still love mm-hmm. the movie version of the Warrens. I think they're the coolest fucking people ever. But it seems like the real life Warrens, I'm like, with every case that we cover of theirs, I'm like, oh man, maybe you were just charlatans sometimes. Because like, again, the quote of him telling uh, um, Playfair, like, oh, there's a lot of money to be made here. And then there was another case that we were going to cover, but there wasn't really enough material on it, which is the Sneedacre case, the haunting in Connecticut case. Mm. Um, the author to that admitted that when he interviewed the family, the stories didn't match up. And he went to Ed Warren with that and was like, hey, man, I thought you were, we were doing a true story here. Like, these people seem like they're lying. And Ed Warren was like, oh, no, they're fucking crazy. Uh, just make up most of it and make it sound spooky. And he was like, uh, okay. <laughs> and then he did. Uh, yeah. You know, because he's like, I'm, I need money and I'm getting paid to do a job. Right. But I don't know. I don't know. I still love Patrick Wilson and Vera Farminga, and I'll watch oh, all the Conjuring and the, movies. And the movies are good, yeah. But... Yeah, I don't know. This case, for me, who knows? I think some of it is real. I think some of it probably wasn't. I think that's a very And well also, put. based on the definition of a poltergeist, it kind of sounds like this wasn't... Well, I guess some of it could have been a poltergeist. Who knows whether the Enfield poltergeist was legitimate or not. But what was legitimate was the fear it instilled in the masses, leaving its mark on the supernatural community and the world of ghost stories. For now, this Warren case file will remain unsolved. And with that, it's time to wrap the show up. If you like the show, make sure to leave a five-star review, which you can do in Apple and Apple Podcasts and now Spotify. We'd really appreciate it if you leave us a review. Plus, it really helps the show, and we'll read your review on the show. You can support the show by going to patreon.com backslash captainslogcast and donate a dollar. Or more, preferably, Mm. anything helps keep the lights on. Another thing you can do to help the show and yourself is go over to TeePublic and shop our merch. Click the link in our show notes and grab yourself anything with our new design on it. And I'll say, it's a good one. It's a really good one. It's a ghoul. It's It's a ghouly ghoul. If you're a Misfits fan... You'll appreciate it. Mm. Remember, if you donate slash support our sponsors, it all goes towards improving the show, getting better recording equipment, etc. Mason, where can these fine listeners find you? You can find me on Instagram at Mason Schrader. That's Schrader, S-H-R-A-D-E-R, where you can see all of my dumb little art. I post things about music that I like and... I do drawings, and it's very, very good and very, very fun and all. And if you if you send me a DM, I'll send you a... If, if you ask for a doodle, I'll send you one. I'll, uh, I'll draw you a doodle and send it to whoa. you if you want one. Yeah. Nice. For mm-hmm. $3,000. Nope, for free. Oh. Can I do it? Can you send me a doodle? Yeah, sure. Nice. And then you're like, yeah, for $3,000. I'm like, no, he's <laughs> turned around on me. <laughs> you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at j.vi underscore junior and the show on Twitter and Instagram at Captain's Log Pod. We recommend various different materials on there and post show updates and post some occasionally 
funny things like bloopers and the like. So go check it out. You can also subscribe on YouTube where you can find me as Jose Valle Jr., Animal Productions, and of course the show's official YouTube channel. My short film, For the Sake of Honor, just got into another short film festival here in North Hollywood. Hell yeah. Uh, so if you want to go check that out and you still haven't, go take a look at it. If you can't get enough of me, you can also listen to my other podcast with Friend of the Log, Max Benyon, called Max and Jose Have Something to Say, which is now back in full swing for its second season. And Woo. Mason has been on that one uh, in our first season, so you can go listen to that episode too. Yeah. <laughs> Make sure you to tell your friends and family about the show if you enjoy it, and if you'd like to share your opinion on this case or have some insights into the Warrens or into anything else we talk about, please do so by writing to us at captainslogcast at gmail.com. You can also suggest episode topics, guests you'd like to have back, etc. Make sure to subscribe and download on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Play, and any other podcast directory. Thanks to Mr. Carlos Rivera for composing our show's theme. With that, everybody, we have reached the end of our show. We'll see you soon for another episode. I've been your captain, Jose Valle Jr., joined by first officer mason magic man schrader uh, and this has been captain's log end of transmission beep boop boop